excited to uh, be sharing the word with you this morning, and we're jumping straight in. Uh, my message today is called Late Night Walks and Breakfast in Bed. Late Night Walks and Breakfast in Bed. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yes, and if you're at home having breakfast in bed, I'm not, not talking about Sunday mornings when we're supposed to be having church. All right. Um, <clears throat> late night walks and breakfast in bed. I wrote here, and I'd like the team, and I'm sure they're going to do it, put this first phrase up on the board. There's quite a few phrases that need to go on the board. I wrote, spontaneous acts of affection are non-special occasion related. In other words, spontaneous acts of affection happen not because there's a special occasion like a birthday or an anniversary, and spontaneous acts of affection happen with no strings attached. There are no ulterior motives. Because when there's an ulterior motive attached, to spontaneous acts of affection, they cease to be genuine acts of affection and they become a trade-off. Are you hearing me? You guys are way too quiet this morning. Come on. Donna, get this crowd going for me, will you? You are too quiet this morning. I don't know if it's because you lost an extra hour. We'll blame uh, daylight saving, right? Everyone agree with me. It's daylight savings fault. Okay, now that we shifted the blame, let's get back to who we really are. And let's get stuck into the word. So, spontaneous acts of affection cease to be acts of affection when they're done with an ulterior motive. Really, then, it's just a manipulative trade-off. The other person is receiving what they think a spontaneous act of affection, but you actually are a manipulator because you are about to ask for something in return. That's not what I'm talking about. Because a fox will eventually be smelled out as a fox. I'm talking about genuinely from the heart, learning how to live a life of spontaneous acts of affection. We, we hear about uh, acts, random acts of kindness. I'm not talking about random acts of kindness today, but that's, a, that's another sermon. You know, kindness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Nobody should be more guilty of performing random acts of kindness than the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said it should be our calling card. He said to his disciples, by this, everybody should know you're Christians because you have genuine love. And Paul defines love, and he goes through love, and he says love is... and." Kindness is one of those attributes that make up love. Don't tell me you're full of love when you're never kind. So random acts of kindness, the world talks about it. The church should be modeling it, and that's why the world should be talking about it. But today we're talking about spontaneous acts of affection. And it should be something that flows out of all of us because this is what I know about God. 
He is always treating me better than I deserve, and he is always showing me spontaneous acts of affection. Can anyone in this room testify to that quality of God? Let me hear you. Absolutely. Absolutely. No strings attached. Did you know that consistent, spontaneous acts of affection are deemed more successful in sustaining a healthy and vibrant relationship than the big bash special occasion moment. I got a few amens. Let's think about this. You know, some people, thank you, I got a good preaching. That's good. That's worth more points. But the spontaneous acts of affection they are the things that happen on a regular basis and for no reason at all. And they actually rack up more points in a woman's heart than just the big bash when it's a birthday or an anniversary or, uh, let's say, Valentine's Day or Christmas. Those are the four occasions where we make sure we do something nice. Spontaneous acts of affection are a lifestyle. So I'm going to address all the women for a moment. Let's see if I'm going to fly or fail. Women, how many of you would agree that spontaneous acts of affection on a regular basis are better and more meaningful than the big bash for a special occasion? Absolutely. Well, let's try the men. Men? How many of you like the spontaneous acts of affirmation, the spontaneous acts of appreciation, the spontaneous acts of validation? How many of you appreciate the spontaneous acts of affection? Can I see your hand? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, do you know why? Do you know why spontaneous acts of affection are deemed way more successful in sustaining and maintaining a healthy, vibrant relationship? I'm going to go uh, and talk a little bit about relationship for a moment here, and I know you're probably wondering, well, how does this all fit in with the sermon series you've been doing? We'll get there. But first of all, the question is, why are they more successful in maintaining a healthy relationship? And I'm going to talk about women first. Uh, the female love language is all about feeling safe and secure. When a woman feels safe and secure, she feels loved. How many women can give me a wave? All right. Spontaneous acts of affection convinces a woman that your actions are genuine acts of love. You're always thinking about her. Spontaneous acts of affection show that you are always thinking about her. As opposed to, I'm dead meat if I don't remember our anniversary or her birthday. Okay? Sometimes the big bash uh, display is more about us, our friends get to see because we, we, we bought this one-time big gift or we put on a party and we get bragging rights. 
Sometimes the big bash is, oh, now I'm going to make up for the goon I've been all year long. <laughs> okay? But genuine, uh, repetitive, spontaneous acts of affection are the true barometer and thermometer of how healthy this love relationship really is. Uh, am I speaking the truth here? To men and women, am I speaking the truth? Give me a hearty yes or no. All right. All right. When the spontaneous acts of affection and the big bash special occasion are both practiced together, they multiply the effectiveness and the believability of the genuineness of the relationship immeasurably. So what I'm saying is spontaneous acts of affection are far more convincing and soul-meaning and satisfying than the big bash. But when you do spontaneous, guys, this is not an excuse to not do the big bash when it's her birthday. Okay, just thought I'd put that in there so that I don't get any uh, <laughs> mail. <laughs> uh, but honestly, when we practice the both of them together, it just multiplies. It knocks it out of the park. It just takes it up to a whole nother level when both are practiced on a regular basis. In the same way, I spoke a little bit about a female's love language. The male love language is all about feeling respected. Just like every woman wants to feel like a queen. How many women here? If you're a woman, don't be ashamed of being born a woman. Put your hand up. Give me a nice big wave. Look at all those beautiful women. For all the women here, how many of you women that just raised your hand like to feel like a queen. Give me another wave. Now put both arms up in the air. See, it just multiplied. Look, they, they want to feel like a queen. And the reason why a woman wants to feel like a queen isn't because of her ego. It's because it makes her feel special. And you say, well, isn't that the same thing? No. When she feels like she is special, she is the da-ding, in your imagination, she feels safe and secure. That's why a woman wants to feel like a queen. Because when she feels safe and secure, she feels loved. That's a woman's definition of love. A man's definition of love is respect me, trust me, follow me, let me lead. Men, am I saying the truth? Absolutely. And, you know, this definition comes straight out of the Bible. I had been doing marriage counseling for years, and I kept getting the same problem. It was, it was ironic how clear the issue became. And I'd have a wife stand, sitting in front of me with her husband, and she'd be telling me her story and how he absolutely doesn't love her. And as I make my voice sound a little bit filled with emotion and weak or quivering. I am not belittling the woman because I'm going to do the same with the man. But she starts to break down and cry and tell me how she loves him and she does this and that and he doesn't love her. And the guy would get so flustered and indignant. And I'm not exaggerating. I was the counselor. 
And they would get indignant and say, Pastor Rob, that is a load of rubbish. Sometimes they use a different word. Uh, I love her, she doesn't love me. And they would start to give me all of their examples. And after several years of this, and I was doing a lot of marriage counseling, uh, church was smaller at the time, I literally went on a fast. On and off, I fasted days at a time, and I said, God, what is going on? And God showed me what I'm sharing with you right now. God showed me in the Bible that a woman defines love differently than a man. That's why Paul in Ephesians says, he starts out by saying, submit one to another. Okay? There's no bossy arrogance. Submit one to another. And then he says, wives... Submit yourselves to your husband. Trust them. Trust them. Respect their leadership. As you would to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he gives us a no exit. He says, do it like you do it or should do it to Jesus Christ. And then he says to the men, husbands, you love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. When you weigh up what both of those commands mean, I would rather do the submitting than loving the way Jesus loved the church. Okay? Because he put himself on the cross for his bride. He took it on his back, 39 lashes. He took it. Where's Pastor Steve? He'll be right back? Okay. He's washing his hands. Okay, he's going to be my chef today, and uh, I just need him to be ready. How about I plug this in and start getting it warmed up for him? How many of you, by the way, could smell the coffee? Anyone smell the coffee? Wake up and smell the coffee? It's like smelling the roses. There you go. Uh, We're going to get this going for him. Awesome. But yes, look. The key to everything, the answer to everything is in the Word of God. That's why I've given my life to this. Because I am absolutely convinced no one's got it down like God's got it down. And he's got it down on every subject. He will teach us leadership skills. He will teach us relationship skills. I mean, the Word of God is the bomb on any subject you could almost skip college and save yourself a ton of money and immerse yourself in the word of God and you will be wiser and better off than a lot of people with degrees absolutely anyway uh, the same way that the in the same way that a woman wants to be a queen in the same way the male love language is about feeling respected every woman wants to feel like a queen because it makes her feel special and when she feels special you can start I need you to start yeah and when she feels special she feels safe and secure likewise men want to feel like they're a king and all the men went You don't have to say amen right now. This is a (laughs) moment. 
right? If you can't pound your chest, just go, right? Men want to feel like a king just like a woman wants to feel like a queen. A woman wants to feel like a queen so she feels special because when she's special, she feels safe and secure with all the competition out there. When a man feels like a king, he feels respected and he feels accepted. When a man feels respected, ladies, he feels accepted. And when a man feels disrespected, he feels rejected. I know this isn't a marriage counseling session, but it is. And this whole series could just be about marriage. I am telling you vital keys that come from the Word of God. God identifies what a woman's basic love language is and what a man's basic love language is. And so when a man feels respected, he feels accepted. And when a man feels disrespected, he feels rejected. And all the men said, there you go. I'm glad you took it out of the religious context. Can I get another hoo-hoo? Bunch of gorillas. <laughs> so women want to feel like a queen. Men want to feel like a king. But each for different reasons. I'm sharing things with you to help you reconcile maybe what's going wrong and I'm sharing these things with you to give you insight so that you can help make things go right. I know, that's why I'm preaching it. Thanks. I agree with you. All right. So look, spontaneous acts of affection. It's not her birthday. It's not your anniversary. It's not Valentine's Day. It's not Christmas. She didn't just give birth to your baby. For no reason under the sun, you spontaneously think of the woman you love, and it better be your wife <laughs> or your mother, and you invest in time, thought, and money to show a spontaneous act of affection. How many women love to get flowers? It doesn't have to be roses. You just love to get flowers. And it's not even so much the flowers, though. I'm sure some of you love colorful flowers and others of you like particular types of flowers. But how many of you would agree it's the thought? How many times do we hear just in life, it's the thought? This is why, see, that's the cry of the human soul. The reason why we've all heard that is because everybody wants to be noticed and everyone wants to be loved. The book of Proverbs, there's a little proverb in the book of Proverbs. It says, man's greatest desire is unfailing love. At the core of every human being, the nastiest, hardest, the most uh, walled up person, do you know why they're nasty, they're hard, and they're walled up? 
Because they tried to love and they got rejected and they found that the best thing they could do to preserve themselves is not put themselves out there again so they won't give you the opportunity to get in so that they don't have to give you the opportunity to get out. Are you hearing me? There you go. Sermon in action. So how many of you women love getting flowers for no reason whatsoever? Well... There are going to be 12 blessed ladies here. I have only got 12. But I am going to randomly give out 12 roses. How's that? And we're going to give them to ladies. How's that? Would you like a rose? Is Haiti here today? Not here today. Haiti, I miss you, sweetheart. In my heart, I'm giving you a rose. Okay? Haiti's one of our elderly women, and uh, she was a very close friend with my mom, and my mom is with the Lord. Haiti would always ask me about my mom, and uh, we love her. She's one of the older ladies in this church. Uh, we, we just want to love and respect all the women in the body of Christ, and all the men said, Amen. very wise. Very wise. That was pretty good. Would you girls like a rose? Here you go. I don't have one for everyone. I do apologize. But guess what else I've got up my sleeve? I... Stop jumping ahead. Chocolates. Would you like a rose? Nadine, you want a rose? That's not a rose. Here, I'll give you a stem and a rose. How's that? Would you pass that down? There you go. Who else? Would you like a rose? Donna, would you like a rose? Pastor Tom, would you like to give your wife a rose? Hey, wait a minute. I should get the kiss. Would you like a rose? Here you go. There you go. Here, I'll, I'll even give you some leaves with that. How's that? Okay, here. Barbara, here's a, here. You want some baby's breath? Yes, because we all know that Nelson has bad breath. No, 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 he doesn't. I'm kidding. That is a joke. Silly joke, but anyway, I like keeping people's attention, and I like getting in trouble. <laughs> Here you go, darling. God bless you. Amen. So, would you like a rose? How about we give mom a rose too? Mom, you could have the rest. There you go. Come on, give all the women a round of applause. So now I'm going to ask you another question. Who likes chocolate? So I'm going to address this question specifically to women. I know this doesn't look very spiritual at all. Trust me. If you've been here long enough, you know pastor knows how to bring it around. Okay? So, uh, what, to all the women, what is the best chocolates? Cadbury. You like Cadbury? Man, that, that, she was off the mark fast. She... Cadbury, you got some? 
You got a rose. Did you get a rose? You didn't get a rose. All right. All right. Get, what, what, what are the best chocolates? Godiva. Okay. What else? Lindell's Gurudelli. Uh, what was that? Yeah. Okay. Dove. Dove? Dove chocolates. There you go. I disagree with all of you. You're all wrong. You know what the best chocolates are? The chocolates you get for no reason other than we love you. Would that be true? Absolutely. Just make them Dove or Garadelli or whatever. So I have some chocolates here. And we're going to give some chocolates away just for the sake. Did you get a rose? You didn't get a rose? Okay. And you want, do you like these? Patrice, I, I'm, I'm getting a word of knowledge, and the Holy Spirit is telling me, you just like chocolate. A chocolate by any other name is still a chocolate. All right, very good, very good. Random acts of affection. It's important. It helps us to be in love, and it helps us to stay in love. Can I get an agreement? You see, we, we need to learn how to do relationships because they don't teach you that in college. They'll teach you how to make a sale. They'll teach you how to be an entrepreneur. They will teach you how to handle employees, and they have special courses on how to handle the objectionable employee. But you don't go to college and learn how to be a dad. You don't go to college and learn how to be a mom. You don't go to college and learn how to be a son or a daughter to your parents. You don't learn how to be an awesome, incredible husband or wife. And the amazing thing is, all of society comes back down to these relationships. And so we spend the most time and the most money so that we learn how to get the biggest paycheck. And I want to tell you, the biggest paycheck in life is living a life filled with love and being loved. Can I get an agreement? You see, a relationship, spontaneous, spontaneous, not spontaneous combustion. <laughs> we have plenty of that in relationships too. Uh, we're not talking about spontaneous combustion. We're talking about spontaneous acts of affection. And those will prove and assure love more than the big bash. It's like the midnight walk, hand in hand with the person that you love. Why are we going for a walk? Because I'm tired. Yeah? But would you go for a walk with me? Yes. All of a sudden, that means a mountain full of I love you. Absolutely. You see, spontaneous acts of affection and the big bash for special 
occasions, you know what they do? They heap validation on a person. They say, you're worth it. Joe and Bonnie, would you sit at the table for me? Do you, do, have you had breakfast? Have you had breakfast? Do you like French toast? Yes. Do you like French toast? Yes. I, I get the impression there isn't anything you don't like. <laughs> You're a man after my stomach. All right, would you guys take a seat here? Pastor Steve has been cooking up some French toast, and uh, we're going to serve you up some French toast. And as they're eating, I'm going to keep preaching. You say, well, <clears throat> can you smell the French toast out there? There's cinnamon in the eggs, and so it's cinnamon French toast with maple syrup and... I didn't have breakfast this morning. Do I get some? All right. Well, you could start serving them and uh, bring the milk over so that they could have the fresh coffee as well. And let me continue with this message. Why am I doing all of this? Number one, the things we see and the things we smell together with the things we hear will make a deeper impression. Emotion impacts more than just mental ascent. And so I want to involve as many of your uh, <laughs> uh, capabilities as possible. I have a quote, a quote you all know. This is a famous quote. If at first you don't succeed, and notice it isn't try again, it's try, try. It's the indefinite, constant, keep trying, keep trying. Yeah, that's a little bit like Jesus said, go the extra mile. If at first you don't succeed, go the extra mile. Try, try again. Relationships are exactly like that. Sometimes the other person is so beat up, so wounded, or at least they think they're so beat up, and you feel more beat up, but if you're the Christian in the relationship... There's a greater onus on you to act like Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to be the one who goes the extra mile, even if you're the wife in the situation. You will win your husband not with Bible verses. You will win your husband with a life that starts to look like Jesus' life. Dare I say it? Can I get an amen? amen? I'm going to give you, I just gave you a quote. I'm going to give you an absolute guarantee. If you practice spontaneous acts of affection and the big bash special occasions, you're guaranteed to keep your first love. You remember that giddy love you had? You remember when you couldn't wait to see the other person? You remember when you had to call them up again just before you went to bed when you were courting? You remember how, you know, they just took your breath away and you got excited? Yeah, that was too long ago. You're having trouble remembering it? Hey, they're actually laughing at some of my jokes now. It's food. You get food out, and people, you know, then they're with you. If you practice spontaneous acts of affection and the big bash special occasions, you're guaranteed 
to keep your first love alive and never crash your relationship into the garbage dump of disaster. So where are we going with all of this? Revelations chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Jesus said, Nevertheless, I have this against you. He's writing to one of the churches. He's John, not the Baptist. John the Apostle is in heaven, and he's writing this all down. He's hearing Jesus talk, and they're writing to one of the churches, and Jesus says, nevertheless, you've done a heap of good things. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Listen, in a marriage relationship or any relationship, when we lose that first love, that first excitement about a new buddy, a new friend, a new pal, or the love of our life, a person of the opposite gender, when we lose that affection, we have fallen back from that great pinnacle of emotion, of senses. Emotion impacts more than just, I told you once that I love you, and when I change my mind, I'll let you know. In the meantime, don't ask me to keep repeating it. Listen. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, we need to constantly speak words of affirmation and even love, adoration, okay? So Jesus says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. When you've lost your first love, you've actually fallen back. Repent. Wow. You mean not being giddy about my partner not being giddy about Jesus is something I need to repent of? That's what my Bible says. I mean, I'm sure I could look up the word repent in the Greek and it's going to say repent. Repent and do the first works. The things that made you take a walk at midnight. The things... Like when you served up breakfast in bed. How many of you guys have ever served? You know what? I don't want to cause a war. How many of you appreciate breakfast in bed? Let's take it from that angle. That's it? Dude, listen. Bring me breakfast and bread in bed. Bring me pasta. Bring me ravioli. Bring me anything. Anytime, anywhere, I have the marks on my body to prove it. Come on, how many of you like breakfast in bed or being taken out to breakfast? Yeah, okay, that got more. Yeah, I know, it could get sloppy in bed, right? That's my one, eh. but let's go out to breakfast. When somebody else suggests it, I think it's a great suggestion. Well, notice Jesus says, do the things. Repent. And repentance doesn't mean feel guilty. Repentance doesn't mean cry. Repentance doesn't mean say, you say, oh, I'm sorry. 
Repentance means do the things you first did. See, to repent means to stop doing the things you are doing presently and go back to doing what's right. Hello? Absolutely. And Jesus says, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. He's talking to the church. Unless you repent. Now, I'm going to take a sidestep and I'm going to ask you a question. Did you know that Jesus or did you know that Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom ten times in the Gospels alone? Ten times. And nine of those ten times, Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom. Yeah. And one of those times, John the Baptist referred to Jesus as the bridegroom. And I'm going to read to you a verse that isn't often preached or spoken about. But in John chapter 3, verse 28 to 30, John is talking to the people. And he says, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The friend who attends the bridegroom gets the first notice that the bridegroom is coming and he's all excited and he lets everyone know the bridegroom's ready, he's coming. Sound familiar to the parable of the ten virgins? John the Baptist is saying this. You see, we're getting this pattern repeated first from John the Baptist, and then we hear Jesus mentioning the parable of the ten virgins in most of the Gospels actually repeat that parable. And both give us the indication, Jesus tells us in the parable of the ten virgins, that at midnight, a voice was heard. A message was sent out. The bridegroom is coming back. And there was a short period in between when he showed up and the five wise virgins entered into the banquet hall and the door was closed. There was a short time in between. It's close to midnight. And the friends who attend to the bridegroom are sending the message out. Again, this speaker I was listening to just the other night said, people, Jesus is coming back. And he's not far away. And if you have any doubts, look at what's happening in the world around us with some of the superpowers. China has issued a threat that if anyone sends arms to Taiwan, the world will regret it. My goodness, those are weighty words and nations and humanity are sitting on the edge of peril of what if they press the button we have already gone too far by the mere fact that we have nuclear weapons it is the thing that you unload that you can't bring back again 
And we've already gone too far. Everybody's hoping we don't go too far. No, we are already at a standstill because one person can become a maniac and threaten, if you don't do this and if you do this, I'm going to press the button. Look around. And instead of just smelling the roses, look at the times and the season that we're in. It's time for the wise virgins to start gathering extra oil. Can I get an amen? amen? So Jesus is referred to the bridegroom, and the Bible refers to the church, you and me, as the bride. So what do we know about men's definition of love? They want to feel respected. And when they feel respected, when we trust them and we follow them, they feel accepted. And Jesus says to some, you lost your first love. You see, we need to not only get back to our first love in our marriage and not have eyes for others, not have time for everything else, but the person you chose to love forever you, you might not have eyes for someone else, but you might not even have time for your wife. And when you have time for anything else but the significant other, whether it's your husband or your wife, we, we have fallen from that first love. And Jesus uses this as a parallel with the church. And so all of this, the roses, the chocolates, the marriage talk, the French toast, how is it? It was delicious. Did he do a good job? Thank you, Pastor Steve. You, you can take a seat only so that you can rest your, your legs. Good job. Amen. But you see, if you don't do these things in the natural to your brother and sister whom you can see, I can almost guarantee you don't do this to the God you don't see. And how hypocritical if you claim you do do it for the God you see and then don't do it for your brothers and sisters around you or your brothers and sisters who are in need. You see, relationship has to ring true across the board for a Christian. The rest of the world can play make-believe, and what we hate about the world is all the make-believe. So let's not add to that. Let's be people who are honest and genuine, and what you see is what you get. And if I love God, I'm going to love people. And if I love God, I'm going to go out of my way for people as well. And if I love my wife or, you know, we love one another, let's make sure we love God. But by the same token, let's not fool ourselves. If we don't do this to each other, and if we don't do this to our sons and our daughters, if we don't do this to the significant people in our lives, there's a very high likelihood we don't do it to God. And as far as God is concerned... If you do it to him and you don't do it to others, you've broken one of the three universal laws that Jesus said all of the law, all of the commandments, and all of the prophets hang on this. Love God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's a three-way relationship. You have to love and respect you and appreciate yourself and validate yourself. And to the measure that you love yourself, love everyone else. And to a measure that's above that, love God. Can I get an agreement? You see... The bottom line is this, and I conclude with one more verse, but the bottom line is this. The reason why five of the virgins, the foolish virgins, didn't have the extra oil is because they lost that first love thingy. They lost that first giddiness about coming into relationship with Jesus. And we need to get back into that giddiness of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. We usually fall out of first love when we're more busy about attending to the things we want. And so now that first love towards another person has been removed by our love and concern for what we want. Jesus said in the last days, people will be lovers of self. I don't want what Jesus prophesied to be the culture of the last days, to be the culture of Rob Scarella. And I don't want what Jesus predicted to be the culture of the last days, to be the culture of his church. And so we don't want to be lovers of self because that breaks two of the universal principles of God's word. I want to be a person who is vastly, passionately, madly, crazily in love with God and it overflows. I've learned to love myself and I've loved to learn, learn to love everyone else as well. And wouldn't the world be a happy, wonderful, glorious place if everyone understood that by loving God we learn to love ourselves and we learn to love others? Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a big clap. Amen. Absolutely. You guys can take a seat. Thank you so much. Uh, we, don't ha- we, don't have, uh, we don't have doggy bags. If you want it, you'll have to take the plate with you. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> you can do this every week, right? I'm sure you can. The question is, Joe, do you do this for the significant other in your life every week? And the question is, are we doing this? Are we courting Jesus? Are we making him the topic of our affections? Are we giving him random acts of affection? Oh, well, I go to church on Sunday I get there 15 minutes late, and I complain that pastor's late finishing. (laughs) Is this the big bash, or are you showing God random acts of affection throughout the week? Because you turn your radio on, and you're listening to Joy FM, or you're listening to the message, and you're listening to praise and worship, and you're singing along, and then, you know, Early in the morning, you get up before the kids get up and before everything gets crazy and you pull out the word and you're reading what God has to say to you. (coughs) 
Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for the nations. You're the temple of God. We all like to, you know, when preachers talk about coming to church, well, I'm the temple of God. I could have church anywhere. Yeah, yeah, but I'll give you a verse for that in a minute. But yes, you are the temple of God. So is your temple about praying for the nations? Is your temple about praying for your family? Is your temple, Jesus said, my house. Are you his house? I'm talking to you as an individual, not us as a group. Are you his house? Then you need to be a house of prayer. Or you're a house perverted. Hang on a second. Jesus stated the purpose of his house. In fact, he was repeating what the Father said. My house, you can go to the Old Testament, my house will be a house of prayer for the nations. And when our lives are not a life of communion and talking, relationship, prayer, conversation, this is a house polluted and perverted because God destined it to be a house of prayer. I know every one of you are pulling the arrow out of your heart, but can I get an agreement? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to urge you, the five foolish virgins lost their first love, and that's why it didn't matter They didn't stop and think about getting a card for no reason at all. They didn't stop and think about praying for their neighbor for no reason at all. They didn't stop and think about giving some worship. They didn't stop and think, oh, I must bring my tithes and worship. They didn't stop and think and say, you know, I need to just talk to dad and tell him how much I love him. I'm going to be real for a minute. Well, actually, I'm real all the time. So I'm going to get extra real. I don't think there's a person in the world who appreciates the scenario that your married partner only ever comes and acts affectionate when they want some. The sum we want is better when we plant the garden of flowers that say, I love you all the time. Now, I think we're all adult enough here. God created this, so, you know, don't, uh, uh, don't get uh, <coughs> scandalized, okay? You all know what I'm talking about. And if we only turn to the person that we've committed ourselves to when we want some, it's not an act of love, it's an act of selfishness. But when it is preceded and accompanied and followed by constant random acts of affection, then it feels good. Can I get an amen? From the men and the women. Let's do it again. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So how are you loving Jesus? Does he ever get, does he only get attention from you when you have a need? When you need to get something? 
or is he getting constant random acts of attention? Last verse, Hebrews 10. Thank you. Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 27. And listen, I'm not preaching at you. You know, we've been praying every morning for the last four years. And lately, because I'm renovating the house, I haven't been here as often. And Pastor Jan has just, you know, held the fort. And I came under conviction as God started to speak this message to me. And I started to make it a priority, irrespective of everything else I have to do to come early in the morning and I'm attending more and more prayer meetings and getting back into the saddle of my first love. So the preacher's not preaching at you. The preacher is sharing with you things that apply to him and things that apply to us. And since I have been called to be the shepherd, I'm speaking to the sheep, the same thing I speak to myself. And church, understand the season we're in. And it's time to start pulling ourselves in and to return to our first love and be busy about our father's business. Can I get an agreement? How about an applause? In Hebrews 10, I said one last verse. Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 27. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Because you can swerve and get off track. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I'm going to add an addendum to that. I know for darn sure I'm not always faithful. He is always faithful. To our own incrimination, we're not going to take the fifth. How many of you can say amen to that? He is always faithful. We're not. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. All of my antics today are to paint a picture in your heart, in your soul, to affect you in your marriage and in your relationships with your children, and primarily to affect you in your relationship with your God and your Savior. And so I'm doing my best to spur you on to love one another and to show good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Why would it have been a habit back then, and the Word of God is eternal, so it's been a habit for the last 2,000 years? Who do you think wants to cultivate this habit amongst Christians? The devil. And he has a purpose. It's a strategy. And so Paul says, uh, and don't give up meeting together. Some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see this day approaching. This is to us. Now, I can't tell you when Jesus is coming, but I can smell the fragrance in the air. I know when it's spring, I know when it's summer, I know when it's autumn, and I know when it's winter. 
and we need to rightfully discern the season. And here's the caveat. And if we're wrong, what did we lose and what did we gain? We've gained everything and lost nothing. Now I want to hear an amen. amen. Not giving up, meeting together. Some of you in the habit of doing encouraging one another. Encourage one another to meet. In church, encourage one another to love the Lord. Encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I am actually living out this verse right now. I am encouraging you all the more because we see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning, missing the mark, and the mark, is having a red-hot love for Jesus. If we keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. These are the things... We don't like to say, because people will think we're being legalistic. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Remember a male's definition of love is feeling respected, trusting him, that you're willing to follow him. And when he feels respected, he feels accepted. And when he feels disrespected, he feels rejected. I want Jesus to always feel from me that he is very accepted. And I want my lifestyle to be a lifestyle of constantly accepting his word, accepting his discipline, accepting his love, his joy, his fun times, and accepting his corrections. I want him to look at me, yeah, a guy, a man, and I want him to see me passionately in love with him and not ashamed to show it. Amen. Would you stand with me? When we cultivate a lifestyle of purposely reading our Bible, not in church, <laughs> but creating a quiet time, a private time. Those are love times we share with our Savior. And when we pray, not only when we need something, but because we want to talk to him and have fellowship. Those are intimate moments. And the vessel starts getting filled with oil. When I welcome the Holy Spirit to talk to me, to convict me, to lead me, to shake me up when I need to be shook up. See, I've fallen in love with the concept of truth. And you, you can say, well, what is truth? God is truth. The Word of God is truth. And so I'd rather God visit me with His Word and speak the truth to me and give me the comfort of a lie. 
Hello? I, I, I made a quote. You can quote me. Dr. Rob Scrallow. <laughs> he didn't drop the doctor. I'd rather the ugly truth than the comfort of a lie. Because when I have the ugly truth, I know where I am. I might not like it, but I know where I need to get to. But in the comfort of a lie, I have no bearing, and I'm lost. I would rather the ugly truth than the comfort of a lie. Because the ugly truth will show me where I am and where I need to be. Isn't that good? And that's the approach I've taken to the Word of God. I tell the Holy Spirit, lay it on me. Let me hear what I need to hear. I want truth. Don't just puff me up. Let me know the good and let me know the things that need to change. How many of you are willing to sign up for that newsletter? Come on, how many of you are willing to sign up for that newsletter? Amen. Father, I pray that you continue to soften our hearts. Those that are watching online, those that are here, those that haven't come yet, soften our hearts to this whole region, this community that you've put us in charge of to be watchmen. I pray that across the airways, unsaved people's hearts will start to get softened and they'll be drawn into this place as they drive by. Oh, Jesus. Save souls. Save souls. Draw them in that they might know the joy of finding you and living with you. I pray for the lost, that they won't be lost. I pray that they will find you, Jesus. Bring them into this place and other houses of God, that they might be truly born again. And help us, the bride, to start gathering up the extra oil. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, that doesn't just happen by going to church. It happens by going to Him in a very real moment and saying, Jesus, I want you. It's okay if you decide, yeah, I don't know about Pastor Rob, not my cup of tea the way he does it, but Jesus, I want you, and I'm going to hook into a church. I won't be offended. But you must accept Jesus Christ. I, I trust you do. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. So while every eye is closed just for one last second, who would like to accept Jesus into their heart today? Come on, put your hand up and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want to accept you. I want this to be real. There's a hand here. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down. Another hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, just be real. Be honest. Now's the time. Get it right. If you've walked away, now's the time to walk back. If you need to walk back, raise your hand. You want to get right with God because you've walked away. You've been backslidden. Everyone pray with me. Those of you that raise your hand especially, I'd love you to come and see me straight after the service. Church people, just hold back. Let me have a moment with those who raise their hands. But everyone pray with me. Dear God, we believe you love us. 
Jesus Christ, today I choose to invite you into my life. Take over. Lead me. Guide me. I need you. Forgive me of all my sins. I've made a lot of mistakes. And I need a lot of cleaning up. And I trust you, Jesus, to do that and to speak into my life. I will not be ashamed of accepting you. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. Today, I am born again. I am a believer. And I am a follower of Jesus Christ. From this day forward, amen. Come on, give them a big round of applause. God bless you. That's awesome. Those of you who raised